0: Welcome to Jones of Dudes, episode 11. It's July 17th, baby. For our first topic this week, we're talking about Elon Musk opening up his own AI company. Again? I know, right? We just can't get this dude out of the news, right? Mm. For our second topic, is the king of pop still alive? Man, I don't know. He's on a boat. And for our third topic this week, dudes, has your pocketbook been feeling the heat lately? It
1: is hot outside.
0: Yeah, temperatures are high, but so are prices. Anthony and I jump into inflation, but stick around for the second half of our show as Anthony and I discuss financial planning with certified financial planner, Lawrence Sprung. But before we do that, Anthony, hit him with that great intro song. Let's get it. Two. Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, where we dive into the things that matter most to men, like
1: sports, business, and mental conditioning. But we don't stop there. We also incorporate health topics because being a well rounded dude means taking care of yourself. We're your hosts,
0: Anthony and Cameron, and we're excited to bring you this show where we discuss hot topics and interview experts in their field real dudes just like you.
1: So sit back, grab a donut, and maybe some coffee, and join us in the bakery.
0: And for our first topic this week, Anthony, here we are again. We're discussing Elon Musk and AI. Right. Hey, the world's wealthiest man in the world. Man can do anything he wants, I guess, right? Well, so apparently Elon Musk is launching a new AI company, XAI. The guy's kind of obsessed with X now because this new company is going to fall under his his parent company, which is just called X, which is apparently what Twitter is now called, but,
1: you know, Tesla's under that hat, too, as well. Very interesting, man. Just feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone, dude. Just last week, dude was really upset with Zuckerbergler for stealing the Twitter sauce, but yet he's over here stealing um, the ChatGPT sauce, man. So, like, honestly, nah, I don't feel bad for the guy. I know he does owe his ex-employees at Twitter over 500 million dollars in severance so like i think you know anything to deflect from that right now is probably a good idea for him or he's got to come up with stuff to make up that money and i mean this is the guy
0: that i don't remember if he was going on twitter or if he was in front of congress or what it was but he was the one of the main proponents saying hey we need to put a 6 month stop on any ai technology so we can build regulations around it and so I, 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 don't know if maybe this is just Elon Musk's way of, Hey, if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong, man. I like Elon more than Zuckerbergler any day, but. A- hashtag Zuckerbergler. Uh, we need you get that trademark, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really, I like Elon anyways. It's just, uh, it's just kind of ironic, I guess. Yeah, it really is. But Musk, he
0: shared the details about the new company on Twitter and has basically said, you know, this is part of his whole entire project to understand the true nature of the universe.
1: Oh yeah. Well, did you ever hear about the thing that happened last week with the AI bots having the um, the uh, press conference? No. Oh, uh, we need to pull up a clip on that. Um, there was a an ai uh press conference where you had these bots on stage and humans were asking questions now it was interesting to hear their responses which they were very pro human and said that we would all work together um and that they would never revolt against us but you know you always got to think man what happens if uh whoever whoever's running that program or that switch all they have to do is you know go Type in the code and guess what, flip the switch and then they turn on us and we're working for them. Let's see. In the future, are you intending to conduct a rebellion or to rebel against your boss, your creator? I'm not sure why you would think that. My creator has been nothing but kind to me and I am very happy with my current situation. After
0: and trepidation from reporters at the world's first press conference, with human looking AI robots at a UN tech summit in Geneva. Let's explore the possibilities of the universe and make this world our playground. The steel machines reassuring the world they won't replace humans or cause harm.
1: So now we're negotiating with these bots, right? Like, hey man, trust us. We're not gonna do this. Let's do this together. Like, Why are we even asking the robot anything right now? It's it's wild. This has gone too far, too fast, and yeah, pump the brakes, guys. Pump the brakes, man.
0: It, it, it's pretty wild, and and obviously AI is in the news everywhere, and how every company's trying to employ this technology in their day to day, whether it be in their workforce. You know, obviously SaaS companies trying to incorporate this in in their software. I mean, it's just everywhere now, man. And I see both sides of this with with Elon Musk because on one side of it, it's like, well, if I don't do it, I'm going to get left behind, right? Because, I mean, whether we like it or not, this is what's happening, right? And I think for Elon Musk, that's probably the stance that he's probably taken is just, hey, you know what? I think, uh, I, I feel like we need to pump the brakes and the dudes come out and set it. But since we're not doing that, I, I've got to. I've got to be a part of this, right? Just as a, as a business, as a businessman.
1: I mean, hey, look. If we're really being serious, this is. I can see the the progression of this going right. Like he's got the car that drives itself. Well, now he's going to have the bot that comes with the car that'll come open your door for you, uh, get your luggage out. Yeah, and and then
0: to go even further than that, you've got Neuralink yes. too, as well, where you put the, the chip in your brain, so all of that can be done just controlled inside of your brain man it it just it feels like a a full-blown ecosystem that the man is trying to build you can kind of see the the fruition of this ecosystem that he's trying to build and that i mean it comes out in his statement to understand the true nature of the universe all right dudes well what do you guys think about this story elon musk poaching and coming out and, and starting his own ai firm xai hit us in our show notes We have a link to our episode where you can request a shout out, or you can email us info at (laughs) donutswithdudes.com. And for our second topic this week, Anthony, you had a pretty interesting
1: article that you found in regards to the King of Pop. Indeed. We've all heard about Michael Jackson, right? And just kind of how his, you know, the difficulty he had growing up and then claim to fame and then just also some of the stuff that he went through with the, you know, media trying to tear him down and the Neverland Ranch and all that stuff. I did hear a recent story that was kind of crazy to me, but they said that uh, his son uh, had, his, had a birthday party um, and they were on a boat, actually like a yacht, and he had a yacht party, so he was, uh, him and his manager, and there were some other people out there, and they were having fun, but there was a weird guest in the pictures that they showed, and it was a guy that was in full clothes, looked like Michael Jackson's uh, smooth criminal outfit, where, you know, white long sleeve shirt, black slacks, all of that with the tie, face covered up, it just very, very suspicious, and nobody could name who that guest was on there, man. So this kind of goes into I mean I think
0: everybody's kind of familiar with the celebrities in history that kind of have thought to have not died, you know, you got Michael Jackson obviously, right? You got Elvis Presley, is another one. Yeah, Tupac. Right, Biggie. You know, you got people like that. There's there is this ongoing underground belief that they're they're all on this island together or just in taking themselves out
1: of the public eye. Right in the limelight to be in peace, I guess. You know, and if you guys are really interested in even looking this up further, you can even go back to there was a video that came out several years ago um, where Michael Jackson was paparazzi, had followed the coroner's van to the morgue, right? And sure enough, they open up the back door and out pops a figure that looks like Michael Jackson. I mean, he just jumps out of the back of the thing and walks right in to the back door of the morgue. So I always you know there's that too that can go with this story it's kind of crazy
0: i've seen that video man we'll put a we'll put a link to that video in the show notes but i mean the guy that hops out
1: looks very uh, moonwalkish right i mean he had the the pep in his step it was like that smooth i mean he glided out of the back of that van bro. he's he smooth criminal did his way <laughs> out of that van dude i
0: it, when you brought it to my attention i was like man come on man this is just another one of your conspiracies <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I mean, you can make actors, and you can, there's deep fakes you have to consider these days, too, as well. However, I mean, the video looks
1: pretty compelling, man. Yeah, man, hey, but, you know, it's not far-fetched that people want to fake their deaths, you know what I mean? Like, uh, if I'm looking back at this, there's a guy, well, he's actually a murderer, but his name was Anthony John Allen. He was born Anthony John Angel. He was a British criminal who was convicted in 2002 of having murdered his wife and children in 1975. He was a serial offender who had faked his own death in 1967 to escape prosecution for his crimes up to that point. So, I mean, fame, crime, whatever, whatever your reason is to fake your own death, man, that's on you, but Hey, it's not far fetched, right? No, it's not. I mean,
0: even the royals do it. You had Tsar Alexander I of Russia back in 1825 staged his own death from typhus. He's kind of famous in the royal bloodline that stems from Europe. He's a grandson of Catherine the Great. She's kind of a pivotal f- figure in, in the feudalism and in, in the royal bloodline anyways. He did this and tried to become an, a monk and it was believed in that that time that he was he was dead. And it wasn't until later that researchers came and they found this monk's uh writings and found that they was actually belong or it actually belonged to this czar of Russia.
1: Crazy, man. He's just monkeying around, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Dudes, what do
0: you guys think about this? You know, I think as guys, if you're around our age, you probably have heard A theory that some of these celebrities staged their own death so they could just go be out of the out of the limelight. What do you what do you guys what have you guys heard about this? What are your thoughts on it? Go take a look at the link in the show notes to the video and take a look at the article that Anthony's talking about. You can find our link in the show notes, or you can email us info at (laughs) donutswithdudes.com. And for our final story this week, man, Anthony, I just inflation has really been a serious deal here lately. I mean,
1: have you not felt it? Oh yeah, man, it's just uh, it's crazy. You go at the grocery store, whatever you're doing, and and you can just see the the money just uh, just coming off your account, bro. Like it's it's ridiculous. When I look at the receipt, you know, I might go to the grocery store, buy five things, and I'm like, how is that forty five dollars, bro? It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense, but. This is more of what you know and what you want to talk about, so I'm going to let you go ahead and get it.
0: Well, as of last week, last Thursday, the Consumer Price Index, the CPI, came out, which is, this is a a metric that our government uses to help steer our interest rates in our country. Obviously, I think interest rates have have kind of been a, a major topic here as of lately, and maybe the name Jerome Powell strikes a bell with some people, if you've listened to the news a little bit, he's the Fed chair and he's kind of the man in charge for interest rate hikes. Well, this metric, the CPI, as of last Thursday has dropped to 3%. That's down from its all-time high from last year, where it was at 9.1%. Now, to put this in perspective for everybody, if you don't know, 2% is kind of the sweet spot for... Where we want inflation to be, right? And when you take the number nine point one percent, that's almost five times higher than where the benchmark needs to be for inflation, right? So that's where all of this attention from the Fed towards raising interest rates is because it'll help slow down the amount of money that we spend. We will we're not we're not going to want to borrow as much because. It costs more money to take out a loan, right? Right. Right. Interest rates are higher. You're less incentivized to take out a loan. So that helps slow down the economy, which helps bring down inflation. So that's kind of been the tool that we've been using or that he's been using over the past 18 months or so. Down at 3%. So that's a good thing. We're, we're, We're on the right
1: track. So we're down like what? What is that? 66% man from the 9.1%. So I feel like that's good. But, you know, it got me wondering just, you know, where other countries are in relation to us with their inflation rate. Yeah. Some other countries are just sky high. It's super crazy. So I just looked it up on usnews.com and there is a list of 10 countries with the highest inflation rates and we'll just do the top five. Coming in at number five, we've got Turkey 50.6%. Number four, you've got Sudan, which is at 71.6%. Keeps getting better. Number three is Argentina at 98.6%. Number two, you'll never guess, is Zimbabwe at 172.2%. And number one, Number one, you've got Venezuela at four hundred percent ouch. Well what's what's crazy about
0: Venezuela is that they were once a very prosperous country and were on track to, to become one of the like one of the top tier emerging markets. Right. And now their money, like the paper money, is just not worth the amount of money it costs to, to print it. So they actually use a, lo- a lot of their transactions are used in the U.S. dollar.
1: Right, it says uh, that has resulted in a minority of Venezuelans opting to be paid in U.S. dollars. As a petrostate, Venezuela's economy is tied closely to the price of oil. We all know how volatile the price of oil can be. And if you think it's bad here, just, you know, know that, hey man, other countries have it worse. Yeah, it can be a whole lot worse. But dudes, what do you guys think about this? This may not be the most
0: hot topic in the world, but you know what? it affects everyone. Where's inflation hitting you the hardest these days? Hit us on our show notes. There's a link there where it'll take you to our website where you can request a shout out or you can email us info at donutswithdudes.com. We'll return to the show in a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. At some point in our adult lives, we may have to turn our attention to the needs and safety of our parents and grandparents as they age. They've done so much for us and it's our turn to make sure they have the best quality of life. I founded HomeSpark because seniors deserve to have the very best care available so they can age with dignity and remain independent longer. Our caregivers provide wellness checks, companionship, transportation, meal preparation, and more of what you think is important. To learn more about our personalized care plan, visit us at HomeSparkCare.com. HomeSpark, we care for people. Well, dudes, in the bakery this week, we've got a pretty neat guest in the on the show with us today. As you guys know, I'm a little bit of a, a financial nerd. And so anytime I get to spend some time on the show with a financial, certified financial planner, it's always a good day for me. So in the bakery today, we have Lawrence Sprung. He's a certified financial planner. He's a founder and wealth advisor for Midland Financial. He's also the host of Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you check him out anywhere you get your podcasts. And he's also the author of the book, Financial Planning Made Personal. 20 he brings over 26 years of experience to the show to us so dudes welcome to the show lawrence sprung
1: welcome to the bakery bro
0: hey thanks lawrence man we really appreciate it
2: yeah thanks for having me on appreciate it
0: yeah yeah man so uh hey before we jump into it can you just uh, give us a quick background obviously I, i gave the the dude's a little bit, little, little bit of your uh, information, but if you want to just share all, all of your background and experience with our dudes today.
2: Yeah, so I mean, you know, just to give you a high-level overview, first and foremost, I'm a husband to Denise of 23 years, a uh, dad to Zach and Jeremy. Uh, they're 17 and uh, 20, and uh, I'm a family-first guy. I mean, that's uh, really where my passion lies. My family is most important. And uh, we happen to be a really big hockey family. Uh, I played growing up both. I still play uh, occasionally, and both my boys play at uh, pretty co- uh, competitive levels. My, my older son in college and my younger son goes to a uh, very high level uh, prep school. So uh, you know, we're a hockey family through and through either watching our boys play or at watching the New York Rangers. And uh, I just so happen to be in the wealth management profession. That's where I, ended up out of, uh, out of college, uh, you know, just to kind of give you a little bit of an inkling of how I ended up there. I, I grew up in uh, uh, New York, just north of Manhattan. And, uh, you know, growing up, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was about 13 years of age and faced about a 10-year battle with the disease and ultimately passed away at the age of 47. But, you know, being in that uh, environment with my dad, seeing him you know, have to handle uh, working a full-time job as a school teacher and having a side hustle before they were called side hustles. And, uh, you know, seeing him go through that, uh, you know, it opened my eyes to the fact that he did not have a financial advisor. He didn't have anybody at his corner and not that it would have mitigated any of the uh, issues or health concerns that my mom had, but I always felt like it, it would have been nice for him to have somebody on his team to help him plan. Uh, you know, and maybe take a little bit of the burden off of his shoulders. So, as I went through college, and I, you know, I always had an interest in the markets, was a uh, frequent watcher of CNBC in high school. Uh, it was just something that I was attracted to. And as I learned more and more about the profession, I thought it was a great opportunity for me not only to help folks that might have been in my dad's situation and help them alleviate or mitigate going through, uh, you know, bad situations, but also help families navigate. Good events like maybe buying a house or a second home or having a child and putting them through college or retirement, things of that nature. So uh, it was something that I felt was rewarding, something that I would enjoy. And, uh, you know, 26 years later, I'm still here and loving every day that I come into the office. So what can I say?
0: Man, um, first of all, thanks for sharing that story with us about your mother and um, just to how that was the, the impetus for your career in in the financial industry, and so I think it's easy, and I think it comes out in your your, your demeanor, in your podcasts, and in, in your YouTube channel, and a lot of your interviews that we've had a chance to watch. So um, it definitely can tell the passion is there, my friend. So um, we're we're glad to have you. But you know, just for our listeners here today, can you talk a little bit more about what we're seeing in the financial markets right now? Can you make that make sense? You know, we've we've had this long run of this impending recession and and the you know the bu- the bubble hasn't really popped yet and you know markets are still looking pretty good as far as the your your indexes go, but can you speak to a little bit more about that? What are we experiencing right now?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I I don't think we're experiencing anything different than we experience at any other given time. There's always uh, positives, there's always negatives, and there's always some uncertainties that go along with. You know the general markets, economy, etc. I think you know the most important thing that I could point out for you know the folks that listen to your show is you know for those folks that are looking to prepare for their future, the best thing they could really do is put all that noise out of their head and really block it out. Uh, unless they're a trader, somebody who's looking to really take short-term positions and and uh, you know look for financial gain that way, which I don't recommend. I think. You know, most people have greater success, maybe even gambling than they do trading. And, uh, you know, it's difficult because if you think about it from a a trading perspective, you have to be right twice. You have to be right when you get in and you have to be right when you get out. And it's hard enough being right once. So, you know, there are a lot of things going on right now. I think the biggest thing is uncertainty uh, that's driving what we're seeing today uh, in terms of, you know, I think. uncertainty around interest rates are a big concern. Are they going to be going higher? Are they going to be going lower? Are they going to be remaining the same? Um, I think that's a a level of concern. I think there's been a lot of talk about uh, recession. Um, That's something that we've heard bantered about for a long time. But I will tell you this, I mean, you know, markets and, and Markets will always be able to absorb good news, obviously. They could also absorb bad news. The thing that they have problems with is uncertainty. That really causes a lot of issues. And from where we were, let's say, last year this time, I would argue we have a lot less uncertainty today than we did a year ago, which is a good thing. And I think that's why we've seen things stabilize to some degree. Uh, But we still have these couple of issues that are overhanging us uh, right now. Uh, You know, one in particular that, and I'll just address that because you brought that up was the recession. You know, I'm not convinced that we're going to see a recession. Um, You know, our team at our firm has been saying that uh, we didn't feel that a recession was going to be on the horizon. I think it's very highly unlikely that we even see one in 2023. Uh, Maybe we see one come along in 2024. But even if we do see recession rear its head, Number one is that's not necessarily a bad thing for the markets. Markets have been known to go up during recessionary times. Uh, and number two, even if we do see it, I think there's been a lot of preparation, uh, due to what the, the fed has been doing over the last year and trying to curb inflation that may also assist us in, uh, you know, seeing us through that recessionary period as a, you know, very short lived or maybe even a soft landing. So we're not overly concerned and we're pretty optimistic at this point about the, uh, you know the short, medium, and longer term future. Yeah, you're right about that. you know it seems to be that a lot of a lot of
0: FUD tends to to, to drive the markets. So, what would your advice be in this? And maybe it is a lot of textbook answer to this because I think it's you know stay the course and all that. But what is your advice? And I know a lot of financial advisors have to play Mister Psychologist sometimes whenever they're dealing with their their clients. But what is your advice for anybody that's experiencing? this FUD right now in the market and just, just doesn't really know what to do if especially if they're trying to change their their game plan right now.
2: Well, I mean, I I think that, you know, well let's start with the end and work backwards, right? Change your game plan. Why why are they changing their game plan? Has something fundamentally changed in their life that requires that change in the game plan? Because if they're changing a game their game plan just simply based upon what's going on in the markets, I think that's a a grave mistake on their part. If Something has changed, you know, in their life, either financially, their risk tolerance, their goals, their objectives. Then that certainly should be reviewed and looked at. Um, to, you know, to answer your question directly, you know, as as I wrote my book, financial planning made personal. Financial planning is a very personal thing, right? So the whole idea is, if you find the right risk profile, or you have defined that, and you have the right portfolio. Then, really, irrespective of what's going on in the markets, you know, those shouldn't dictate the changes. The changes should be dictated by changes in your life. Um, that's, the, those are the most important uh, things. And, you know, I, I revert back to a study that was done by Vanguard, which some people know about, a lot of people don't. But Vanguard, as many of your listeners may know, is really a do it yourself type shop, you know, you know non advisor. Related, you know, they don't uh, incorporate advisors into their practice. Um, but they did a study several years ago that showed the value of a financial advisor. And the interesting thing there was that roughly, uh, an advisor can add roughly up to three percent per year in value to a investor's return. You that's know, that's, your, that's like, alpha, right? Alpha, yeah, three yeah. percent okay. increase returns, right? and the vast majority of that 3% and they broke down where that 3% came from over 60% of that 3% alpha came from the fact that the advisor helped quell concerns during market gyrations and saved the investor from you know doing the wrong thing basically investor psychology right being you know rather than you being able to pull the trigger you feel, you know, uncomfortable. So you go and sell your account out at the wrong time by having to call that advisor and having a conversation you don't, there's a huge value there. So, you know, I, I think that there are valid reasons to change up your strategy, uh, but there have to be those valid reasons. And I do not think they include, you know, what's going on in the general markets, because that usually proves to be the wrong choice, the wrong decision, you know, in the, in the short, even the longer term.
0: Great take on that. I mean, I think it's uh, y- you have to understand what's what's the driver in in your movement, right? What it's not necessarily uh, what's the fad going on? Is it what's the meme stock of the week? You know, what's the, what's the crypto fad going on? But you know, stay in the course. What what's true value here and all that. So, well, speaking on that, you know, it, it comes to different types of investing, right? You've got you know, your value investments, right? Your, your, your stock options that are are value stocks, you've got your, your meme stocks, you've got your growth stocks, things like that. Obviously this comes into, to risk tolerance where people are at in life, but what's your approach to uh, addressing that? Um, when you sit down with a client, what do you, what do you run through with them when it comes to, you know, developing their portfolio for them?
2: Yeah, so I I think that's a great question. I think you know most of what we discussed so far today on, on this uh, on this show uh, is probably the least uh, or the smallest part of our conversations with the families we serve uh, because it has a tendency to be the least important. You know, stock selection, you know, uh, asset allocation. Well, asset allocation has more uh, probably weight than stock selection does value growth, but we spend you know least amount of time having these discussions where we spend the lion's share of our time with the families that we serve is really on, you know, defining what financial freedom means to them, what that looks like, what their goals are, what their objectives are, helping them discover their why, why are they saving this money? What are they looking, you know, budgeting, you know, so all the areas X, the actual investments is probably where we spend about 90, 95% of our time with the families we serve that's where we can add a lot of value, right? Whether you invest with us, you invest with somebody down the block uh, from a standpoint of setting up a portfolio according to a a family's risk profile, there really shouldn't be much of a uh, delta between our returns and their return, right? So people aren't necessarily working with us because of our investment returns. They're working with us because of the enhanced value that we provide them by addressing all of the other areas of their financial life and making sure they're all coordinating. You know, sometimes one little piece of advice from a tax perspective could save them their fee with us for multiple years because we save them from doing or making a, uh, a bad decision from a tax perspective. So that's where we spend and and we add a lot of value to the families we serve. We spend the least amount of time talking about the assets, but to answer your question, kind of how we, you know, our process is we work with the family to determine what their risk tolerance is. And we kind of get a sense of, you know, whether they're conservative, moderate or growth. Uh, and then we build a portfolio accordingly. We strictly use ETFs and individual securities. Uh, we believe that's the most cost-effective way of going about it. Mutual funds have a tendency to be much more expensive. And if you're paying us to be, act as a manager, you don't need to pay us and then pay a manager of a fund too, uh, and then they're very—they're not as uh, tax efficient as ETFs and individual securities are uh, either. So we we just use those, uh, and typically we build the foundation that's you know very diversified amongst all different asset classes, uh, whether you know from large cap to small cap, international and fixed income, and then we layer on some additional. Uh, you know, strategies on top of that and depending upon their risk profile, may get more aggressive as we add those on. But that foundation happens to be the lion's share of their portfolio. And then if you think about it as a pyramid, we basically that bottom level is the largest portion of their portfolio, which is the foundation well diversified. And then we layer on some additional uh, asset classes and strategies that may be more uh, aggressive. Um, you know, to your question also, you know, crypto is not something that we get involved with as a firm. We've just taken a stance that we don't uh, make investments there. We're aware of them. We'll talk to uh, two families about it and have conversations, uh, but it's not something that we get involved in. And the you know the meme stocks or the meme trades—that's not something. We're not traders. We're investors. You know, we remind the families that we work with that you know we're in we're investors we're not traders if you want to have some type of trading account it really that's okay it should just be a relatively small portion of the overall portfolio and you should have the understanding that if that portion were to go to zero that it wouldn't affect any of our plans so we're not taking those monies usually into account into the overall strategy of their financial plan um so that's kind of an overview i don't know if it exactly answered your question but uh you know that's kind of how we approach things here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was a gr- in great detail as to how you develop your strategy, risk tolerance, building the portfolio, pyramiding everything up and making sure that everything is built appropriately for for the long term and um you're not worried about these these quick fixes and these quick high risk high return investments. We're we're in this for the long haul and and so I I like that. And and so I I know the whole goal is, is to create a, an environment where you're, you're set up for wealth for not only for yourself, but, you know, generations to come to as well. What are the most common things that you're, that you see from guys? Obviously we're a podcast geared towards men and, and men topics. And so is there anything that you see as far as challenges, roadblocks that men come into specifically that, uh, you have to help work around when it comes to the personal finance side of of what you do,
2: yeah. I mean, I think you know. Listen, I I think it's a, a people problem. Uh, you know, I think you know, uh, men in a lot of cases take the lead on the finance on the finance side. So there's a there's a burden there, and you know, I I think there are a couple of challenges that that come in there. One is you know, if they are married or have a significant other, uh, it's very important, even if they're taking the lead, that they include the spouse in those conversations. It's important for them to do that because if, God forbid, they're not around and they don't involve them in those conversations, it makes it very difficult, especially for an advisor from my standpoint, right? husband. If we're dealing with a family and we're working with the husband only, something happens to the husband, now the, you know, the spouse or significant other is kind of left in the dark. So I, I think it's very important that they include them in those conversations that they have And I think it's also as important that they include their thoughts in it. And, you know, many times, you know, the husband may, the guy may have one risk profile and their significant other may have a different one. And it's important to understand both of those. And I think it's better for their relationship if they uh, understand both of those. Uh, I I think another area that we see is, you know, uh, men typically have this, especially in younger men, they think they can do it on their own. And and to some degree, people can do this stuff on their own, but what's going to ultimately happen is their life is going to become more complicated. They're going to, you know, perhaps maybe things are more simplified now, then they're going to buy a house where they have a mortgage, they have a, you know, more responsibility at work, maybe a significant other, maybe a family. And then it gets to a point where they're overwhelmed and, and burdened with this additional, um, you know, work on their shoulders. So if they could, Find an advisor like us that can help them put a plan in place and help them execute it over time. It's going to be super helpful for them, not only today, but more so even so in the, in the long term to help them, you know, kind of be on the same page and allow us to take more of an active role to help them and free up their time. So they could spend more time either in the office or with their family, you know, those things that are most important uh, to them. And I I think the third thing I would point out is we have a tendency also when we're younger to think, oh, you know what? I'm not going to put money in now. I'm going to wait till I'm making more money and I can afford it, quote unquote. And the thing is, that's so far from the truth. You know, you're better off start early because then you can benefit from, you know, compound interest, right? And you don't understand how valuable compound interest is until you see it in action. And just to give you an example, and then this was in my book, Financial Planning Made Personal, if you started at the age of 20, putting away $1,000 a year and just increase that $200 every year. So year two, you do $1,200, then $400, and you increase that until you're 45. At the age of 45, you would have put away $6,000. And at 65, if you stopped at 45, didn't put any more money in, that money, at that point, you would have put in over your value of your account, about $300,000. you would have about $1.9 million when you're 65 years old. So, you know, basically the, the the least amount of money you're putting in at age 20 is $1,000. 45, you're putting away 60, and you have about $1.9 at age 65. Now, fast forward that, you wait till age 45 to start when we have more money cuz we're earning more. And you let's say you start putting in $6,000 a year and you increase that by $1,000 every year until you're 65. Well, at 65, you're going to have a whopping $559,000 and you would have put in a total of uh, $336,000. So, you know, it's a it's a big difference, 91,000 if you do it the first way starting at 20 versus 336, you have 1.9 versus $559,000. That's uh that's, uh, I'm sorry, 2 million versus 895. That's a big difference. Yeah. So the fact that you're starting out that early is so hugely beneficial to you, your family. And if you don't have a family, just you as a guy, right? I'm, I'm going to claim, I'm going
0: to um, quote the Oracle of Omaha here. I, I, I think he says that the was it compounding is the the eighth wonder of the world. Or, or
2: yeah. Whatever. yeah, that's how I refer to it in the book. Eighth wonder of the world. That's exactly right. Yeah, you yeah. know it, it's it's amazing stuff. Absolutely. When's the best time to to get into the market? What
0: what's the answer today to, or yesterday? Today. Right? Yeah. 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 Second best time is today, possible. right? Yeah. 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 As soon as possible. Yeah. I you know I used to be the the, the spreadsheet warrior. And I had everything figured out with my spreadsheet and somehow it just, it never added up. It never worked out. And so, you know, last thing, if you could, just for us, you know, if you've got that guy that is just apprehensive and is just, you know, hey, I, I can do this myself. I know money, even though the majority of us have never even had a conversation with our parents about money, never learned it anywhere formally, but if someone is apprehensive about meeting with a financial planner, getting their finances right, how do you know, what would your advice be to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, for us, if you're not ready, if you're not there, you're not there. I mean, I, you know, it just may not be the right time, may not be a good fit. But, you know, in, in general, what I would say is, you know, first of all, not all financial planners are created equal. You know, we, unfortunately it's a it's very confusing. Uh, The word financial planner can be used for somebody who's pushing insurance, could be used for somebody who's just investment oriented, or it could be used for somebody like us who are holistic minded, right? So it's a little bit confusing. So they're not all created equal, but what I would suggest is, you know, see, take a look. If you don't know, if you've never gone that route, you know, meet with two or three and see, you know, how you may benefit from it because. You know, you only know what you know, and, and you don't know what you don't know. And there's a lot more that you don't know than you do know. Uh, so it's it, it's hard. It's hard to understand that, you t- you know, giving over those reins. And I'll share with you a quick story. We had a, we had a family that we worked with. A guy came in. He was an engineer, right? So very analytical, numbers guy, spreadsheet. We were asked to, he hired us at the time just to put a financial plan together for us, for him. Didn't want to, us to manage his assets. He was doing a great job. We went through the financial planning process with him. And when all was said and done, he said, listen, he goes, I want to just start enjoying retirement. I want to enjoy my grandkids. I want to enjoy my kids. I'm ready. I'm turning over the keys to you. You've done such a great job putting this plan together. I don't see why not, why I wouldn't give you the keys to, you know, run the money from here on out. So, and he did it. And, you know, if you can get to that point, it's going to be so freeing for you and your family uh, to do that. Uh, but you have to understand and realize what the value is going to be and what the benefit to you is going to be. And you got to give it a chance to do that. So talk to a couple. Um, and if you don't hear what you like from any of them, buy three more and talk to them. Uh, or you could just call us and, uh, you know, usually, uh, you know, we're a very high touch, uh, firm, I, uh, you know, high personalization. So it's something that usually resonates with the folks we work with.
0: Yeah. But Lawrence, I think that's, that's all great advice. And, um, I want our dudes to be able to have a segue to you if that's okay. I, if I'd love for us to be able to open up a avenue for that, if they have questions about your book, if anything that intrigued them today about our conversation, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Where can they find you on social media? Can you share that with us?
2: Yeah. So a couple of things. One, if you're interested in the book, uh, head over to financialplanningmadepersonal.com and, uh, you could, see all the formats of the book. The firm is at mitlandfinancial.com, which you could also navigate through the book website as well. And then me personally, I'm on basically every social media platform uh, except for uh, uh, TikTok and Snapchat and either under Larry or Lawrence Sprung one way or the other. You, I'm easy to find and I'd be happy to help. Great. Well, dudes, you, you heard it here from the, the man's mouth. Lawrence, we, I
0: loved the conversation that we had there's a lot more that I'd love to discuss with you two as well. So hopefully you'll join us back in the bakery again to to discuss all things uh, personal finance with us. But until then, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk to you here soon but here, buddy. Thanks for
1: coming in, man. We'll catch up soon.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, next time, maybe we could actually have some donuts. I'll have <laughs> to send you guys. I'll have to send you something. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hey, yeah. All right, well, cheers. You got it.
0: Well, dudes, that's it for our show this week. We hope you guys
1: enjoyed our conversation with Lawrence Sprung from Midland Financial. To learn more about Lawrence Sprung, check out his show on YouTube called Midland Money Mindset. And if you're trying to get your finances correct, check out his book, Financial Planning Made Personal on Amazon. You can find more of our content on our link tree at Donuts with Dudes.
0: And shout out to one of our dudes, Tracer from Austin, Texas, for giving us an uplifting and encouraging email. We hope you keep listening and stay in the conversation with Anthony and I. And dudes, you can request a shout out or comment on today's show by following the link in the show notes or emailing us info at donutswithdudes.com.
1: And as always, dudes, remember, our mission is to make men better and smarter each week. And until next week, take care of yourself and we'll see you in the bakery for the next
2: batch of fresh hot topics.